What's going on? This is Tori Kravitz and welcome back to another new episode of She's with the Band. This week, we've got Twin Temple joining the podcast. I'm really excited that both Alexandra and Zachary are joining me today. Um, I know we normally just have uh, women on the show, but I feel like it is really important that we have the duo together here today because both of them are a really important part of this conversation. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about or you don't know who Twin Temple are, they are a couple and they are releasing the best the latest in uh, 50s-inspired satanic doo-wop music. Their latest album, God is Dead, is out now. They toured with Bohemian... I almost said Bohemian Rhapsody. They toured with Behemoth. (laughs) They've toured with Danzig, uh, just to name a few of the most recent tours that they've done. Um, But it's really cool to see a band really reaching the origins of rock and roll, which started in doo-wop, and bringing that into modern-day metal And somehow it's coinciding and coexisting in such a seamless way. So beyond the music and beyond just their genre being really interesting, they are the perfect people for this podcast, hands down. Because, you know, I didn't really realize until getting to know Twin Temple how deeply integrated Satanism can be with feminism. And that's a really important part of their conversation in terms of uh, being free, finding your own power. And uh, just letting letting go of the reins of modern day societal expectations. And that's a really big part of the conversation of women in the music industry and beyond. And Alexandra has been so eloquent on this topic, as well as Zachary. And they are just such amazing advocates for exactly the same thing that I'm advocating for on this podcast. And they just do that in their own unique way. Um, And I think it's important as well to really talk about Satanism, what that actually means, what they're advocating for, because it's so misunderstood. And I am really excited because this is just a ballsy conversation to be having. I don't normally get into this kind of stuff on the podcast, um, but it was really cool doing the research. And I hope that you all enjoy this conversation. Find it both entertaining and informative too. And also just find a really amazing new band in the process. So if you aren't listening to Twin Temple yet and you want to support women in music, I cannot recommend them highly enough. So I think that's a, a pretty sufficient introduction. I hope you enjoy the, the episode. If you do, make sure you subscribe to here on NotFest if you're listening on YouTube, or make sure you follow us if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. All of it really helps. And I appreciate you all coming back week after week to listen. And it just... I couldn't do this without you, sincerely. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on Twin Temple. All right, and we are joined now by Twin Temple. How are you both doing today? Ah, yes, we're most evil. (laughs) Most evil. Where are you coming to us from today? Are you back home at the moment or how are things going? Are we are in our crypt here in LA? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, and I see you've got the Danzig shirt on. You just finished up a tour with Danzig, didn't you? I I want to hear all about that. That must have been amazing. Oh yeah, I don't think I've taken this off since we got home. <laughs> yeah, it was a nightmare come true for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, Glenn is just such a wonderful vampire, and um, it was. I mean, yeah. how can you even? It was I don't know. It was just, tour. it was an amazing tour. He's such a, such a sweet person. He's very supportive and uh, it was, it was great to get to watch him every night. You know, I mean, it was just an incredible. Yeah. Time. We both share a lot of like love of the same music and, you know, we spent a lot of nights on the tour bus up till pretty late talking about 
you know, Gold Star and, you know, New York and 62 to 64 girl groups. And I mean, it was just, it was so much fun. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so good. And also to hear that somebody who's such a legacy act in the scene at this point is still so down to earth and willing to talk to you and be kind of a part of the whole tour package and whatnot. And, you know, there was something I actually really, you know, this being not fest, we cover so much metal music. And I think it is so cool how you all have so seamlessly integrated into the metal scene, considering you don't (laughs) play like the world's heaviest music. I know this might seem like a bit of an obvious question, but I I actually would just love to start by... Just understanding how this all happened, how you've managed to find your way into rock and metal. Obviously, doo-wop has its roots there, um, but now getting into this like modern audience, how did that all come to be? I actually think we might play the world's heaviest music. Go on, then. (laughs) (laughs) Not wrong. (laughs) Uh, No, it was a very natural, organic progression. we just playing shows, you know, yeah. we didn't really know who the project was going to be for, you know, we just made yeah. it for ourselves. Mm. I mean, I think, you know, the metal scene just formed a little black circle around us. I mean, we always joke because when we started this project, I mean, at heart, we're like archaeologists and preservationists of like a very specific period in like, you know, vintage music, mostly American music. Um and we had this harebrained idea that the people who would really love it are like fellow obsessionists who are just like looking for super rare, um, you know, yeah, like, like American rock and roll, American rock and roll that are like carrying on this legacy and the conversation of like this classic music, which, you know, to a degree is kind of fading. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people who made this music like aren't around anymore and so we thought oh it's gonna be you know the the record collectors and the people who like are keeping music alive like Daptone or you know which they're doing a lot for like American soul music and they wouldn't touch us with a 666 foot pole (laughs) I mean we're too evil you know because at the same time we were like we wanted to talk about what we wanted to talk about we didn't want to talk about turning 16 or you know shit that was like going on in the 60s it's like it's it's today so you know in the end that turned out to completely not be the case none of them liked it at all and here comes metal that's like we're evil we're down so we're like oh crazy all right (laughs) right that is interesting yeah we we just I mean had no idea who this would be for and we were very pleasantly surprised to see that you know the rock metal community was down for it even though we're playing you know yeah oldies the oldies (laughs) right so how did you end up found out by the metal scene was there like one specific person or like a band that advocated for you early on or how did you find your way was it just an organic like it just happened because of what your music's about and who you are? It was just like moths to a, a flame, really, yeah, like, yeah. or yeah. to a to hellfire, really. I mean, we just, we literally started at the ground up in LA playing like 50 to 100 capacity venues and bars. And those were the people who just started coming, started spreading the word. It was, it was very organic um, and completely opposite to what we thought. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once they showed up, we're like, this makes a lot of sense because at heart, I mean, we love basically anything evil, whether it's like, 
you know, Robert Johnson selling his soul at the crossroads or like Alice Cooper. I mean, it, the full spectrum of like rock and roll we're huge fans of. And obviously like we listen to metal mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's like anything that Satan is fine with us. So hundred <laughs> percent. And, and, you know, you make an interesting point how we're saying you're kind of conservationist because I know you mentioned the, on another interview that God is dead is your most accurate to the period album that you've done so far and you put so much effort into like you said preserving the genre and keeping the legacy going but at the same mm -hmm. time you know this is a podcast about women in metal and feminism too you know there's more to it but that's a big part of the conversation and the 1950s don't have the best reputation for women and <laughs> the way I see it is like you're kind of in a way reclaiming the power of the genre and rewriting the narrative in your point of view and for the modern day feminist um, so how did those two things end up going together? Because I know that you all are such advocates for that. And yet the 1950s and the music, what was being sung about back then is so different, obviously. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there was a lot of repression like in the 50s, but the specific period of the 60s that we really referenced on the last record, you saw this huge explosion of like the girl group movement. You saw a lot of women like Ronnie Spector, like stepping into the spotlight and really claiming a lot of space. And I mean, rock and roll has always been like a music of rebellion. Um, I feel like it went really hand in hand with the civil rights movement in terms of tearing down the old guard. I mean, you had Frankie Lyman dancing with a white woman on national TV and causing him to be banned and the television show to be canceled. You had Fats Domino being attacked outside of his hotel room. You know, you had kids crossing the segregation lines in concert halls in order to dance together. So to me, it's not really um, a stretch. It's just sort of, uh, to a degree, I think rock and roll may have lost its way a little bit when it comes to being subversive and transgressive and shaking shit up. It's like, it, sh it should be dangerous. And I think mm -hmm. that's what, um, another aspect that we're trying to preserve with rock and roll's history, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, it's what you said too, was so interesting how the metal community ended up being like a moth to the flame with this music, because really Satanism is so misunderstood as a belief system and what it stands for in terms of what most metal heads believe in really does go hand in hand of rejecting societal norms, promoting inclusion, um, finding your own freedom and power. Those are all things that are really a part of your message. Um, so how do you think Satanism and feminism go hand in hand? I know that's something you've touched on a lot and also how your work has helped women really embrace their divine femininity. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a really long history um, with Satanism being linked with feminism. I mean, there's a great book called Satanic Feminism that mm -hmm. talks about at the turn of the century how women trying to like reclaim their power were gravitating towards imagery of Satan um, and Lucifer as the light bringer and really as a, you know, a means and a vehicle for self-knowledge and self-empowerment. So I also think that's another just kind of like long tradition that uh, we're tapping into, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, definitely. I think at the heart of the left-hand path also is this kind of, you know, divine, divine feminine, you know, you're talking about a, mm -hmm. uh, a worship of, you know, of Babylon mm -hmm. as a, as a more active 
whole, you know, mm -hmm. in this energetic expression as well. Yeah. And I mean, even like Baphomet, which is a symbol, like, you know, um, pretty central to like Satanism, it represents transcending the binary and reconciling, um, you know, among many other things, but like male, female, and then also being over to overcome that binary. So I think that, you know, it's, it's pretty embedded into <laughs> like the philosophy. Yeah, fully. And it's, it's great to be able to talk to you about this too, because I had first read about Satanism quite a few years ago and was so baffled by how much it's been misunderstood, you know, mm -hmm. how it's the, mm -hmm. the narrative around it in, I don't, I guess like modern pop culture is just so wrong compared to what a lot of it truly stands for, at least in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. So do you, I guess, are there any symbols of Satanism as far as like in movies and in clothing lines where you're just like, this isn't quite right. This is just mis misunderstood or misused that you have any hot topics about that you want to just clarify while we're here and talking about it. <laughs> I mean, all the time, but I think part of the fun is scaring people, you know? <laughs> I suppose the people who like are drawn to it are the ones who are, who are supposed to be drawn to it, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, it's, in magic, there's a thing called a blind where um, there's, how would you explain that? Like basically facades that reject and repel the uninitiated. So I feel like Satanism naturally has this. Uh, yeah, like the you know, supposed scary, you know, symbolism mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, if you can't see through that or, or you know, find find the message behind it it keeps you out so it keeps yeah. certain people out for sure and it's a wonderful mechanism because i mean when you tell squares and boring people that you probably don't want to be friends with anyways that you're a satanist yeah. <laughs> you know the ignorant ones go away so it does the work for you yeah that's <laughs> true but i mean very true you know, I, don't, I feel like the the beauty of satanism as well it's like playing with the taboo, playing with subversive imagery that's not for everyone, accepting your place as um, kind of like an outsider. Um, and I feel like, you know, I love that it's not, there's no mission to proselytize, which is like very much my mission in life. I just want to live my will um, and do my will. And honestly, if people misunderstand satanism or it's not for them then like i really don't care i'm just like I i'm not here to convert anybody that's christianity <laughs> and i it's so good that you said that too because i'm sure anyone who's listening to this who's even just curious but is at least a fan of metal can understand that too the music is so loud so aggressive like you said mm -hmm. it repels the people who don't understand and brings in the yeah. ones who love it right so those two things are like the same the same kind of energy. Yes, exactly. Um, and talking about like the imagery of the band, I mm. was baffled but not surprised when I realized you had so much trouble with like your your self-titled album artwork and getting that published, <laughs> by the way. I haven't thought about those nipples yeah. in a long time. <laughs> yes. Crazy. And it's like that, that uh, I guess um, that has followed you through your career of challenging the the boundaries of, of your imagery and, and what's possible to get published, hasn't it? Uh, between no. the titties and the blood, we raise a lot of hell, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that you do. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> 
Um, but you know, on God is dead. And this goes back all the way to the self-titled. Um, there's a lot of messages about sexual freedom as well, that there's, you know, songs specifically dedicated to that on this album. And I love that because it's such a different narrative than what we've been fed throughout our lives, which is so much taboo and shame around sexuality. Um, so yeah. how do you think being so blunt, both in your lyrics and in your imagery is, um, I don't know, helping people just to feel more autonomy and confidence around that? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, if we can help people feel a little more horny, a little more slutty and a little more evil, then I mean, our work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> so far so good then I suppose <laughs> yeah I mean you know we from the get-go this project was really like our magical child we went into it thinking this will be um really our vehicle to do our will and say exactly what we want and have it sound exactly the way we want and um mm -hmm. I think that was like the pact we made with each other and Satan, of course, was we're not gonna water this down. We're not gonna do what makes sense. We're gonna do what gets us off. And I think, you know, our plan is to always stay true to that mm -hmm. path. Um, and so if I, you know, if we feel like talking about being a slut, then I mean, that's what we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I could tell what you're doing is obviously so genuine and like you said uncensored you know you're doing exactly what you want to do the way you want to do it and that's why the project has worked up until this point um but as it's gotten bigger and you have more of an audience and more eyes are on you is there a consideration when you go into something like a, such a big album release of what are people going to think how do we want this to be portrayed or are there decisions that are made with others in mind no not at all <laughs> No, just ourselves. Uh, I think like the worst start is made with the audience or other people in mind. I think, you know, we're all individuals. We're all here to do something that only we can do, you know? Um, and as soon as you start trying to please other people or make something for somebody else, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, I feel like every human has a unique perspective that only they can share with the world. And, um, I think that that that's the point of art, right? It's to communicate who we are as individuals and put it out there for other people to, you know, digest and make what they will of it. But, um, no, maybe to a fault, we really don't consider any of that if anything I mean of course we have people saying oh you can't put a a boob on your album cover or you know again. maybe <laughs> again or maybe sell you know more music if you didn't you know write songs like about having orgies but it's like you know this is what I feel like we're here to do so we really I mean to a fault are like steadfast in like our dedication to doing what we want mm -hmm. really and that's not to say that that might change I mean we jokingly call this record like the blasphemy record you know we had oh it's like since the last record I mean we literally had like 
so many death threats, um, so much proselytizing, so many attempts to save our soul. I mean, we literally had hundreds of Bibles stacked outside of our doorstep to the point we couldn't even get out of our front door. Like it was that mm-hmm. much harassment. And I think um, <laughs> our thoughts with this record was like, oh, you think you think we're evil? We're going to show you evil. So it was just kind of like doubling down on the blasphemy. I mean, the next record other songs we've written that you know might form the next one it's we just follow our muse so like we probably it probably won't be the blasphemy record next record who knows what we'll you know get obsessed with at the moment lately it's been i don't know we'll see we'll see i won't give too much away but (laughs) i like the suspense (laughs) you know zachary you like cut her off right when she was getting to the good information (laughs) I uh, Which I respect. Yes, I'm notorious <laughs> for spilling the beans. <laughs> um, but so this I'm is interesting. Call him the gas and him the brakes. So I see what's probably. going on here. Yeah. <laughs> well, so is that like the form of retaliation then? So you get all these Bibles sent to your home. You're getting all these threats. Is it like, okay, so we're just going to up the ante even more? Or do you ever feel like there's like you need to fight back on this? Like, because that's really tough. I think, well, now that I'm looking at this record, I'm like, it's so dang blasphemous. Um, And reflecting on the last few years, I can only think that it was just a reaction to that. Like, you know, when someone tells me not to do something, I'm going to do it two times instead of one time. And I feel like that's kind of what this record was like, you know. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. And Zachary, I also want to talk to you a little bit because I think you're such a great example of like a strong male ally for the feminism movement, especially the fact that you two are such a strong duo. Um, And that goes for the music industry and beyond. So what has working alongside Alexandra taught you um, just about ways that men could be more supportive in the face of oppression or misogyny? Because you're, you're kind of right on the front lines too. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I have, you know, my own individual perspective and uh, working with her has showed me, uh, you know, more of a female perspective, you know, being in this industry. And that's definitely been enlightening to a degree, obviously, you know, um, not something I've experienced. Um, But it's great, you know, I love, uh, I love learning from her, you know, and I was raised by my mom. So I've had a lot of feminine, you know, um, influence in my life. So I feel like I've always just kind of I've never really seen it as like male, female, you know, it's like, it's just kind of, I don't know, another human, another human experience, you know, another human's perspective. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Obviously I have the the privilege to be able to look at it that way, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it's great. You know, I love it. You know, I wouldn't have any other way. Yeah. I'll just tell you later for saying it's great to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't um, the expected about working with me. <laughs> Um, and the thing is too, you know, we talk a lot about femininity and feminism, and that's an important part of Twin Temple and and this podcast. But I think masculinity in its own way is misunderstood. Um, so is there anything within Twin Temple's message that you feel relates to to how you wish that would be reframed as well? Hmm. Good question. Uh, I feel like there's definitely, I mean, masculinity is like again, like Babylon as like a, a female masculine, you know, there's these uh, these varying degrees of masculinity and femininity. And I think 
putting the emphasis on this kind of feminine masculinity, you know, like placing Babylon as an active role is, is I feel like a kind of way we view masculinity and uh, uh, changing, you know, of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the the insight on that. I, yeah, there's definitely that balance there and I appreciate your, your insight. Um, and also I know we've kind of touched on how your music and Satanism as a whole technically repels the people who shouldn't be a part of it or don't need to be a part of it and brings in the people who do but I wouldn't be surprised if there are people who are listening to your music or listening to this podcast who feel a curiosity or like this inexplicable pull towards what you do but also have a sense of being apprehensive just because of the lies that we've been fed you know about you've talked about it in other interviews this like perceived threat um that satanism can have against societal norms politics organized religion all of that so for anybody who may be feeling that like curiosity and just needs that little push to come on in um what would you say to those those people come on over to the dark side honey (laughs) the water's fine (laughs) i mean who could say no to that sweet voice honestly that was very inviting (laughs) I mean, of course, I don't want to tempt souls into eternal damnation. Yeah. You know, you not? That, that's why we're here. <laughs> and also for, for God is Dead, for anyone who hasn't listened to the album yet, do you think there's a song that is like the perfect first impression of this this collection of music that they should listen to first? Mm, that's tough. I'd probably say the title track, God is Dead, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I do love that song and I feel like we kind of covered a lot of, of our interests at the moment, musically and lyrically mm-hmm. in that song. Um, I might have to say be a slut. Mm. Yeah. Two very good picks. <laughs> Although, <laughs> I think, you know, it's like, do you want to dance or yeah. do you want to, you know? Yeah, to those a ballad. Are top two for sure. Are those your top two? Yeah. I mean, there's Satanic Orgy though too, which is just like I feel like. Yeah, that's a fun. One. That's a fun one. I don't. It's really tough. I I feel like we definitely picked every song on that record as like a collection. Yeah, you know that we. Right. That's why we keep it so concise because I think like each song is kind of doing mm-hmm. a certain thing, and then they kind of work all together as a whole. But yeah, I mean the title track definitely. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. God is dead. It kind of sums it up. Yeah. And I suppose, I suppose it's a good sign that you're like, if we went on with this conversation, you would one by one pick each song because they all have yeah. to place on the track list. Like there's kind of a point to each one, isn't there? So. What we, do? Yeah. we already just chose half the album. Yeah, <laughs> well, you've sold everyone on the album now. So that's what we want anyhow. <laughs> and so to in the latter part of every She's of the Band interview, the last thing we do are four jaw-dropping questions. Um, so these are four of the most let's say jaw-dropping experiences or just opinions you may have. So we'll get right into it. First one being, what is the most jaw-dropping experience you've ever had at a show? Could be one of yours or someone else's that you've been to. We got a live goat at the wheel turn for selling it out. That's right. <laughs> no way. What? Is, so what happened with this goat? I need the full story here. <laughs> well, so our rider, um, you know, has a live tethered, black goat on things we need in our dressing room as 
one does, you know, I'm sure most yeah. people's writers have that and um, we don't always get it. Um, no. But the will turn brought one on stage with us at soundcheck uh, for selling it out. So yeah, pretty great. Pretty great. <laughs> that is phenomenal. Did it make it to the show or was it just for soundcheck purposes? It did not make it during the actual performance. Probably no. for the best. I feel like like we got a, we would you would have gotten a call from some like animal rights organizations. <laughs> what was that goat's name? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't know. It was really cute though. Yeah, and it did this trick where it'll put its hooves on your shoulders for like photo. It was really really cute. Yeah, it was very well behaved. Very lovely goat. Yeah. Um, everyone was feeding it oranges. We're feeding it oranges. Yeah, were we? I don't know. Uh, We've given it snacks. It was really fun. Yeah, <laughs> that is incredible. Thank you for that. And you know, I will say, I actually wanted to touch on your live show real quick. So thank you for reminding me because I saw you all in 2018 and loved that. In addition to the music, there's rituals involved, and there's so much more showmanship to the show. And I think that's mm -hmm. an important part of Twin Temple too. So, is there a favorite part of the performance or? like ritual or moment that is most special to you? Oh, that's tough. I mean, I just love being on stage, like in general, like that. I, I think the whole thing is kind of a ritual of sorts. And it's yeah. like, it, it's hard. I would really say it's hard to pick. Yeah. Yeah. The, the closing ritual is a cool moment. It's, mm. it's, uh, mm -hmm. It's a combination of a of the great rite, which is a ritual portrayal of of you know the union of male and female. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that part of the show. You know what, you're right. I forgot that I spit blood at the end. That might be my favorite part. Yes. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, I mean, I know what you're talking about. For anyone who hasn't seen the show, what is the closing ritual? If you don't mind, just uh, a quick recap. Yeah, yeah. So it, it there's a chalice and a blade, mm -hmm. and you know there's... which are classic uh, male female symbolisms. The chalice being a divine feminine symbol, and the blade being a divine masculine. Yeah, and then with some some uh... well, and one goes in the other, so that's the union. Yeah, which... and then 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 the blood, and then there's a lot of blood. Well, the chalice, <laughs> like it's sort of also the chalice I had made as a. Babylon symbolism, which Babylon, the chalice is kind of a, another symbol for divine feminine because it's the womb. So um, blood, you know, the void, that kind of thing. So we fill it with blood and um, spit it out because I mean, every great band, you know, spits, spits blood. blood, really. Obviously. Throughout history, <laughs> for thousands of years, <laughs> every great rock and roll band spits blood, right? Yeah absolutely so um yeah. yeah and oh and we make out which is that's, that's always right. fun that's right yeah forgot about that yeah <laughs> how could you forget about that yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah your show is so amazing and I do think it's important to really give that a shout out like what you all do and the fact that you look so fabulous while being on the road I don't know how you do it I will let it be a mystery because <laughs> it's better left that way but I just I need to applaud you for that as well Oh, thank you. <laughs> of course. And the next one we have here is the most jaw-dropping misstep early in your career and the lesson that you've learned from it. Mm. Misstep. Or even just challenges. Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's tough. We made the mistake of when we registered 
when the business was registered having our address like if you searched <laughs> in the records in there yeah which we didn't know uh, or is the copywriter trademark trademark very early on um so that was pretty instrumental in getting us doxxed yeah that's what led to people at our doorstep rummaging through our trash cans to put bibles in the front porch and yeah all that yeah uh, like you know like i said when we started out we had no idea uh we we thought we'd be like this black metal band with like 20 cassettes signed in blood like we didn't really think it would ever get to the point where someone would like go that deep into like our records and be able to find our personal home address to like stalk us and harass us and stuff like that so like yeah y'all if you do anything privacy, privacy is make sure you put all the privacy in place because that you know it's funny to a degree now but we did have to move it was really scary at the time and um you know yeah it I, I wish that I think that was a big yeah that was definitely a misstep a big step because yeah um that happened right after Alex Jones had us right a segment on us calling us uh pure the embodiment of pure evil so we had not wrong but he's not wrong um you know but uh it led to a whole thing and we just couldn't figure out how they found where we lived and i think it was that so yeah it was that. i don't know other than that i'm just like yeah i think that's that, that was the big one i mean that's massive well and just don't let them know where you live yeah fully <laughs> I will say I this just like brought back a story. There's a band called Creeper that on Warp Tour a few years ago, they uh they they went out to picket the Westboro Baptist Church. Basically, there's like a picket off between both oh. of them and they ended up printing the quote that the church said on their merch. So I'm just saying that that quote, the pure evil, could be a good t-shirt design. Oh. <laughs> if you ever want to bring that, that back up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anywho, that's a tangent. The next one we have here is the most jaw-dropping female artist that you would love to work with. Oh, well, a lot of them are. Yeah, alive or dead. Um, I mean, I yeah, alive love... or dead. We could go any way you want. Lyrics. I want to write a song with Loretta Lynn. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to sing a duet with Ronnie Spector. Dolly Parton would probably never work with us, but. You know, I'd love to do my hair with her one day. <laughs> In an alternate universe where Dolly's goth, she's all yours. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> they like salt and pepper, heaven and hell. Come on, Dolly. Where's that duet? <laughs> um, I mean, there's way too many, like, to name, yeah. you know? I don't know. You? I think you covered it. Really? Well, you can just copy my answer. Can I not? Um... Uh, oh, I <laughs> He I, wants to work with. We could do something with Nancy Sinatra. Nancy Sinatra. He loves yeah. Nancy Sinatra. That would be cool. I mm, yeah. That's mm -hmm. my pick. Is that your yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good selection between the two of you. I'll accept. I'll accept it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one we have here, and I feel like this um there's probably a lot you could say here. Or maybe we've covered them all. I don't know. Um, the most jaw-dropping misconception about you that you wish people understood. Look, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that as Satanists, um, you know, we 
sacrificed our souls to Satan, that we hold orgies under the full moon, that, that we drink the blood of babies, that we drink the blood of babies. And, um, you know, I think we want to clear up that that's all 100% true. Yeah. I was hoping that's where you were going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if people it believe we true. don't do that, we just like to clear that up. That uh, yeah. it's it is not ab fake. absolutely true. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. And I'm I'm really glad that was that was as productive as I hoped it would be. <laughs> you know, we don't really do that. But I suppose like that mystery <laughs> of these misconceptions or the stories that may come out is part of the fun as well, isn't it? Is like creating this larger than life um persona mm -hmm. around the band which some of it's true some of it's not and we'll never know but all of that is true never all, all of yeah, that, that is, is true, true. yeah <laughs> <laughs> wonderful you all have been amazing thank you so much for for taking the time to chat with me today seriously it's an honor and uh i really hope everybody who's listening listens to the new album if they haven't already do you have anything else you want to say before we uh end this podcast today thanks for having us i don't know it's been evil hail satan god is dead be a slut do what Let's you want. Go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, God is Dead. The album's out now. Make sure you give it a listen. Here on NotFest, you can tune in issues with the band every other week. So make sure you're following, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, y'all. Thank you. Bye. Bye.